Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Feliz Navidad, everyone, and welcome. To the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, it is the season of goodwill to all mankind in 2018. And whilst here in the 21st century in the United Kingdom, we are struggling with drones, shutting down airports. We are going back to 1993, where the biggest threat to security is a, is a Japanese Samoan. My name is Tom Campbell, fake Geordie and radio presenter. I'm with the man who got bought a pencil for Christmas. He proceeded to snap it and throw it back in the face of the person that bought it for him because he's the bear in the big blue bar cage and he's the head pen cultaholic. He doesn't need a pencil. He gets it right every time. It's Justin Henry over there in America. How you doing there, Tommy? Merry Christmas. Merry Crimbus to you. Did you get my present or not? Uh, I did indeed. It came Saturday morning, the 22nd. The <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan SummerSlam 1989 face paint figure from – it is it is the Mattel line. Yes, it's been Mattel for years. I, I appreciate that very much. Thank you, sir. I tried to get him to lose to me, but he wasn't having it, so I thought you might have some more luck. Well, I'm very happy to receive it. It shows that you're a good sport, and you're also a very festive person, and – I, I should point out that as a fan, SummerSlam 89 was my first pay-per-view, so it's actually symbolic. It's almost like I knew that. Yes, it's 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 almost as if – well, I have, no, I have no finish for that that doesn't sound condescending and or evil. <laughs> That's fine. That's absolutely fine. Um, You are listening to this podcast. All being well, you're listening to this podcast – uh, a day or two after Christmas, and um, we are recording this Christmas Eve Eve. Uh, at the time that you are listening to this, which will be just shortly after Christmas, chances are I'm still going to be quite drunk. So, little mental image for you there. Just, Justin, do you know where you will be just after Christmas? Once we hit that kind of twilight zone between Christmas and New Year where not much happens? Well, by the time people hear this, it will be... Late after or mid afternoon, early evening on the twenty sixth, I would be getting ready for my favorite college football bowl ever. See, college football bowl games, um, you don't have them over there. We have them here. They take on they take on sponsorships. A lot of them. There's like forty bowl games, and most of them are, are irrelevant. But what we have is the Cheez It Bowl. <laughs> like so, like the game. product Cheez Its. As in the actual snack food. Oh, the, little... the, the Americans' version of mini cheddars. Yes, the, the little square-shaped uh, cheddar cheese flavor with a little bit of salt. And there's an, there's an actual college football, not a playoff game, not a championship game, but just the final game of the year for two 
arbitrarily selected teams are the California Golden Bears, and I'm sure you'll love this name, the Texas Christian University Horned Frogs. <laughs> it sounds like they're running out of animals to name football teams out of. The Horned well, Frogs. Not, well, it's not just animals. I mean, Alabama has the Crimson Tide. Oklahoma has the Sooners. Orlando has magic. That's the NBA. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Fun fact that she's at bowls at the same venue as the 2019 Royal Rumble. Ooh. Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. I imagine the booking will be slightly better and the show won't be as long. I, w- I would imagine. And, uh, I mean, it's Cal versus TCU. It's kind of an irrelevant game, but it's, it's a cheese it Bowl, so screw it. I have to watch it. You have to watch the cheese it Bowl. I would I would watch the cheese it Bowl. It sounds like it's my kind of bowl. <laughs> If you don't love Cheez-Its, you can't be trusted. So with Christmas here, we thought what better way to celebrate the festive season of peace on earth, goodwill to all mankind, than watching a really middle-of-the-road episode of Monday Night Raw from the end of June. Wow, you are being generous. <laughs> you were really down on this show that we're going to watch. But uh, before we get to it, uh, where and when are we, Justin? Uh the air date is June 28, 1993. It was taped one week earlier in Poughkeepsie, New York. What you and your father should have done for the holidays, you should have made a drinking game out of the show. Every time Vince, Savage, or Heenan references the Stars and Stripes Body Slam Challenge, take a sip. Oh, God. We would be in a bad way. Yes, we are six days out from this air date from the Yokozuna Body Slam Challenge, in which he's challenging any American athlete, wrestler, or otherwise, to body slam his 550-pound carcass on board the USS Intrepid in New York City. Carcass? He's not. He's not dead. Oh, carcass means. Uh, carcass means like, like a like a dead body, doesn't it? That oh. would now that would be weird. <laughs> if we and did the Body Slam Challenge in 1999. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Uh, He'd be lighter. 550 pound mass of humanity that is very much pulsating with blood and oxygen. Is that better? It's better. Although John is probably itching to do Photoshop at this point, and I'm going to say no. I guess we get to watch Crushfield pick up a bag of bones. Yeah, that, that is was... the real push for this show, isn't it? And I like at the very beginning, we have a little teaser trail for it. So within like seconds, we're in, we're away. And the first thing you hear is Hulk Hogan couldn't slam him. And that's a wonderful case of WWE rewriting history because didn't, and I'm not one to defend Hulk Hogan at this point because he was an ass in 1993. But okay. did, didn't he actually slam Yokozuna at King of the Ring? He, he did not. I thought he did eventually. He, he made one attempt but failed. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine then. So, so it, it, it's accurate, but as soon as they come on the air, the first words out of Vince's mouth are, are about the Stars and Rebs Body Slam Challenge because this show is irrelevant otherwise. This man, this whole show is just... It's broadcast non grata, basically. This is what happens when you pre-tape like this. So therefore, you means that you've and NXT suffers from it a little bit, but they 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 do a much better job of hiding it, in the sense that because you record so far in advance that you can't do too much that gives too many stories away. That's true, also. But imagine if you're watching an infomercial for like the world's greatest vacuum cleaner, and it was an hour long. 
but there's no fo- no actual footage of the vacuum cleaner. You just have people talking about the vacuum cleaner, and on your screen are people jumping rope. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch that probably for too long. <laughs> and then once in a while, you you hear your pitchman talk about how great the vacuum cleaner is, and no footage of it. You just say, it'll be available in six days, so everybody look forward to the release of this vacuum cleaner. That is, it, it, it was very, it was, it was, they were very much in hyperbole, like, shill mode for this Stars and Stripes challenge. Now you're probably thinking that the Stars and Stripes challenge is going to be airing live on TV, given the hype job they're doing for they it. They even say maybe live. Or maybe it's going to be, uh, perhaps it'll be on pay-per-view. It's not airing anywhere. The only way to see this is to actually go to New York City on the 4th of July, which given how hectic travel can be that time of year, I would not advise that. So if you're watching this show in Wyoming, and you're talking about how important this open challenge Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji have issued is, you're not going to see it. You have no way to see it. There's no fight TV. There's no streaming video. There, there's nothing. They're hyping up something that, you're, that, that maybe a few hundred people are going to see, maybe a few thousand. That's it. And then on Raw the next day, they'll just tell you about it and show you some footage. I mean, that would work. <laughs> but they spent the whole show hyping up something that you can't see. I know. That was, that was very peculiar. <laughs> well, given the, the fact that they're using this as their vehicle to build their next main event babyface star, you can see why the hype was in, was in overdrive. <laughs> it's... it's and 25 years of hindsight have not made this look any better. What's the funny thing is that the the they did everything like they were there was there was a lot of red herrings throughout this show building to the Yokozuna Body Slam Challenge. Mm-hmm. Like until because in terms of the way that it was talked about, there were two people that stood out to me as they're probably going to be the stars. So the one that ended up stealing the show didn't get mentioned at all in the run up. Because he was still a heel at this point, uh-huh. he had to have that. He had to have the moment where he became Vince's idealized you know, Hulkamania villain. Which you now we'll, we'll tell that story in about one week's time. Because if I remember the opening to next week's show, the way that, we, the way that I saw it back then, it's uh, if you think Vince was in hyperbole mode here, oh, you ain't heard anything yet. Oh, he is really on it this week. Like, he's very aggressive this week. He must, he must have been bug-eyed, eyes out of, of his skull the following week, by comparison. Because, you know, yeah, he's animated here. Yeah, he won't shut up about it here. But next time around, it's even worse. So, we begin with a title match, which is secondary to a non-title body slam challenge. It's Shawn Michaels versus Kamala for the Intercontinental Championship and one of the most random title matches we may have seen at this point on the show. This is the beginning of what they called last week the Night of Champions. Oh, yes. The Night of Champions, which features one title match and one interview with a champion and an interview with two men who had belts recently. It was weird. I mean, here's the thing, right? This is my my big takeaway from... Kamala's icy title opportunity. Mm-hmm. I don't get why 
Kamala has just randomly been given a shot at the championship. I don't like it when just randomers just get a shot at the belt with no rhyme or reason. Obviously, in the modern era, John Cena faced a lot of randomers for the US title, but that was under the guise of, it's an open challenge. Come on down. But there was like no hype, no build to why Kamala was facing Shawn Michaels for the belt. He just was. So you're saying that Shawn should issue an open challenge and then started running the ropes only to be disrupted by the thump thump rhythmic stomping of Kamala's music that would have been brilliant and I would, I would have been fine with that and also what you have to bear in mind is right this mm. so this Kamala got this title match out of nowhere for no reason because there's a why in the day presumably one of mm-hmm. the biggest stories of the summer in this year is one of the guy traveling up and down the country trying to get a title match like like picketing to get a title match Whereas Kamala just gets handed one. Well, it's. Do you not see the issue with that, or am I, am I over overthinking this? <laughs> well, I think I know well, the I mean, answer. I mean, Fatu got a shot at Brett months ago on the show for I think the world title. He, he should... Was it non-title though? No, that was a title match. Again, why? I don't. <laughs> it, it, should, it shouldn't have been a title match because they're fighting champions and they put their belt on the line against anybody. But I would like there to have been a little bit more rhyme and reason. Even something as simple as Kamala faced this guy a few weeks ago. Kamala's now the number one contender. That's all I need. Well, I mean, it would have have been beneficial, yes, but it's it's a tape show. It's an in-the-can show. It's it's scenery for maybe he'll slam him, maybe he'll slam him, maybe he'll slam him. Oh, maybe he'll slam him. Rob I will say that. Back. <laughs> I will say the funniest part of this of this whole match, and then there's several funny moments. It's when Kamala, well, first Themis Clarides, the rather beautiful ring woman who is now, as, as mentioned before, is now a U.S. representative. Uh, yes, she, I thought you'd know who she was. <laughs> as she returns to the locker room with her ring card placard thing. Kamala emerges two seconds later, and he and he has this rather impressed look in his eyes. Like I, I know you always kind of made that dumbfounded face. That was part of the whole Kamala presentation, but it looked, it looked like he was like, mm-hmm. He looked <laughs> like he was a bit like, ooh, a, a woman as she walked past. Well, I mean, to be fair, I'd make the same face. I think. Weird she little touch here. Yeah, and she said, and she and she still is. She hasn't really aged all that much. She looks like she could still do the job today, but she's, she's got much more dignified things to do with her life, obviously. So, before the match begins, Hebner has the Intercontinental belt. He shows it to Kamala, and then won't let him touch it. Did you notice that little detail? Yeah, I like that. It was just a bit like, Kamala was a bit like, oh, shiny thing. And they like and they took it away from him, and he looked really sad. I think Hebner was in a bad mood at these tapings, because on the last show, he... He tried to grab Sean Walton by the hair as he left the ring. <laughs> this week's show, he won't let Kamala you know, put his hands on the Intercontinental belt. It's like, he's just a mean guy. He is a grumpy boy. He's a grumpy boy at the moment. Maybe, maybe sales aren't going so well from the boot of his car. Uh, perhaps. It's, uh, that's speculative. So Savage gives us one, the first of many wonderful lines on this show, which is, Sean would rather wrestle an elephant than Kamala. Do you think that Sean could carry an elephant to a three-star match or better? 
Well, as we discovered, no. <laughs> Not at this point in his career. I think maybe down the road. Maybe Bret Hart could. <laughs> the elephant screwed the elephant. <laughs> you try putting an elephant in a sharpshooter. You, uh, you have the WWF running down, but the other WWF. I think we have our plot for Operation Dumbo Drop too. <laughs> Let's make that a thing. Thank you, please. John? <laughs> Come on, WWE Films. <laughs> they have, have they done anything in a while? Oh, they're doing, they're doing the, uh, the Marine 25, aren't they? This time it's personal. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Marine 47, the Miz takes Manhattan. <laughs> Marine 65, mission to Moscow. <laughs> Rusev goes to hell the final Friday. <laughs> so the comment, so the commentary segues into this bizarre bit, which ends up being really funny, about how Bobby Heenan says he paid $78 in tax last year thanks to IRS. And that says, was funny. <laughs> and he says, I barely make it by. I'm supporting an orphanage in Guam, you know. <laughs> Bobby was in good form tonight. Bobby was in good form. And thank God, because this match had, had so much stolen that even Larry's a biscuit woman like, Jesus, hurry up. This was basically a match between Shawn Michaels and Kamala's leg. And early on, it was it, it was just Shawn Michaels versus the, versus the 10 feet of space in front of him. These two really a... didn't set the world alight. They basically said... He, you have 11 minutes, just go out and do something. Like, okay, let's try to eat up four by walking around. <laughs> this was just a hodgepodge of a match. This just... This this was awful. It was just boring. There was... Shawn Michaels, like, it was such a... I don't know whether it was a lack of... I mean, obviously, they don't have chemistry together. Like, you get some guys... Clearly. Who, who, ...who just click and they're there. Shawn Michaels and Kamala, there's no chemistry there. Shawn Michaels and... Shawn Michaels is still quite young in his career, in the grand scheme of things. Kamala's no Bam Bam Bigelow when it comes to big men. And it just no. felt... And if there was an idea there, and there was an idea there of Shawn Michaels works over Kamala's leg to stop him from moving. That was the idea, but it just felt like they didn't think it through. And it was just Shawn Michaels attacking Kamala's leg for ages. Well, early on, Vince tells us that Slick has done a great job of bringing Kamala along in terms of you know, humanizing him and treating him with dignity. And as soon as he says that, Kamala bites Shawn's hand. <laughs> that was good timing. That was really good timing. <laughs> I'm surprised we're still mentioning Slick, because is he not done and dusted now? Yeah, I think Slick is uh, he's out of the picture now. He's, he's back at the Mount Ephraim Church, I believe, in... Uh, in the Houston area, which I think that's what it was called. Yeah, he hasn't been seen in probably almost two months by this point. He's definitely out of the picture. So I find it funny that they still mention him. The last move before commercial break is Kamala catching Sean in a bear hug, which a man Kamala's size, that could be a finishing move, theoretically. It should but, be a finishing move as well. Um, yeah. But then they fade to break. So basically, over the next two and a half to three minutes, Sean could be squeezed to death here. We all know. We, but we come back from break, and that's almost what we have, because Kamala has Sean in a downed bear hug and is getting two counts out of it. I, I'm going to assume he had the bear hug for all three minutes. Felt, yeah, yeah, that's they must have done. I often would... I, I wish I was there sometimes when you when people go to break and you come back and very little has happened. Like, I want to know what happened in those three minutes. 
it's called a chin lock, Tom. They do it all the time. But you, but sometimes, sometimes you'll there'll be a moment where the guy, one guy, will break away and he'll get on the mic and talk talk bad to the crowd, so that when they come back, the crowd are hotter. Well, it, it ain't like the Rick Martel and Mr. Perfect match, which ended during commercial break. Which I'm not sure we'll ever see that ever again. Oh God, those early days of Raw where their timing was completely to cock, and or we had a match finished during the break. And the Undertaker Damien Demento debacle. And that was Skinner. Oh, was it? Sk- oh, it was Skinner. My apologies. It was Undertaker and Skinner. Um, that whole thing where they had about twenty-five seconds of match where Skinner dominated, and that was it. And we never knew what happened. Skinner won, though. Obviously, Skinner won, but they don't like to talk about that. That was the real night the streak died. <laughs> so we come back from break. Kamala, as noted, has the bear hug on Sean. He hasn't pinned down to the mat. He's getting two counts out of presumably the same bear hug he applied before the commercial break. And then Randy Savage has the absolute balls to call this excitement. He's really, he's really trying as the, as the hype man, isn't he? Like sometimes you, you do, sometimes you do your best work when, when the going is rough and and the going is pretty rough in this and bless macho for, for really Uh, trying. Yep. Savage tried, Savage tried. I thought it was worse than the Royal Rumble that year when Carlos called Carlos Colon a youngster. That was funny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure which one took more golf. I think it shows the real difference between being old and young. (laughs) And he decided that he was clearly old, but he was going to mention he was young. I wish Monsoon was around at Crown Jewel to call the main event so we can call them all young whippersnappers. Oh, look at these young whippersnappers going at 100 mile an hour. Shawn Michaels, he's got a good upside, as has this <laughs> Kane lad. I bet this Kane has problems getting a date for Saturday night. <laughs> Straight in the bread basket. <laughs> no water in the pool as Sean attempts the moonsault to the floor. <laughs> when do the well wants too often, will you stop? I miss you, Gorilla. So, as you alluded to earlier, Kamala hits his knee on the turnbuckle. And then we have our story for the match, which is Sean Murphy's leg rather slowly. He gets these, well, first he gets the Kurt Hennig leg breaker, which could be fortunate. Well, he was feeble for him at that point, but I don't think uh, Vince or anyone else at the table noted the, or noted Sean lifting a Kurt Hennig signature move there. Then Funk spinning toe hold, all he rolls out of it. He does this several times. It's at, it's at this point during this very dull match that Savage uses a charity dinner he recently attended to segue into into plugging the body slam challenge. They yeah they they again as if we haven't had another enough plugs already. We're about like twenty minutes into the show and I feel like all we've talked about really is how exciting this match is and there's been body slam challenge as a body slam challenge coming up. They're turning everything into into a plug for the body slam challenge. It's like, well, the crime rate's up in New York City to 130% over the past three months. Maybe some of them films will take part in the Stars and Stripes Body Slam Challenge this Sunday on the USS Intrepid. Is it because the numbers were low, maybe? They were desperate to make sure that the place looked packed? Uh, maybe, but I imagine it was like a free show anyway, so... I mean, like, I can't imagine... Would that have been a paid show just to watch guys try to slam Yokozuna? I mean, the whole thing is on the network if you ever wanted to watch the one-camera, two-camera setup of it, which 
Would you make Sydney watch that one instead? <laughs> Shove a real appreciation for old wrestling at that point. Nice. Could, could watch a jockey beat Yoko with his riding crop. I'd love that. I'm quite. I'm hopeful for that. <laughs> that could be like a retroactive live watch one of these days. <laughs> if, if if I were something to torture you and or vice versa. I'm fine with that. I'm happy to give it a go. So I'm sure we'll watch worse in the years to come. We're watching worse right now with this match. Well, there you go. This match that went on for approximately nine years. <laughs> you know it's a long match for Kamala when the stars have worn off his chest. <laughs> that was the only star I ever saw in this match. <laughs> Unless there's like a negative in front of it, a little minus sign. So Kamala gets the... Gets the Air Africa splash. Wait, was, was Air Africa him or Akeem? I can't remember now. I think Air Africa was Akeem. You are correct. Well, he, he gets the big splash. Mm. And then he, he has the Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels dead to rights. He has crushed him into the canvas. And because he's Kamala, he can't figure out how to pin him. He has him, he has him down the wrong way, and the ref's trying to correct him. Like, oh, Kamala, you can't pin somebody. You've forgotten right. how to pin, you savage. We were... We were this close to Kamala versus Razor in the ladder match at WrestleMania 10. My God! If Kamala just knew how to pin the guy, that does not bear. So, just, I think that'd be funny. That'd be quite a funny story. Just as Kamala figures out how to pin somebody, boom, put him in a ladder match. It could have been Kamala vacating the bill after being beaten up by nine guys in Syracuse. <laughs> Kamala would have eaten seven of them. <laughs> it could have been. Kamala being accused of necrophilia as Hunter beats him for the belt and merges it with the World Heavyweight title. What if Kamala had lost his smile? How would we know? Well, they just they just rub it off his face. Because <laughs> it's paint all around his mouth. <laughs> he just comes out without it on. <laughs> I've lost my smile. You're coming Kamala having to tell me a live video. Right, John. Photoshop John. <laughs> Actually, if you're, if you're good with video editing, could you do us a favor? <laughs> Can you do us a tell me a lie? And <laughs> say me... that you won't go. For reference, look at Bret Hart, tell me a lie. Like, I know this is no, a no. podcast no, for no, you for listening, and thank you for listening, but we're now talking directly to John for a minute. John Eiley, our Photoshop, our head of Photoshop for the podcast. Uh, John. Love you, John. Happy holidays. Love you, John. Merry Crimbles. Um, John, <laughs> what we need... I need you to watch Bret Hart's Tell Me a Lie music video. No, no, it's, it's Sean's video. Oh, sorry, sorry. Ignore me saying Bret Hart. Um, Shawn Michaels' Tell Me a Lie um, music video, and we'd like a version of that, but with Kamala. <laughs> and Kamala yes. looking sad. Or throwing Kamala bowling in slow motion. <laughs> oh, it might make me cry. Him chasing kimchi through the balcony in slow motion. There you go, John. You need something to work on over Christmas while it's quiet. There you go. What what could have been? John's. I think John's got a few days off over Christmas, so John can crack on with that. I should point out that Vince said earlier on that Vince has done a, or, or the Slick has done a great job bringing Kamala along, and Slick, he still can't figure out the pinfall, Al. So, <laughs> great job. No wonder Slick. they sacked Slick. He was awful. He couldn't. He, he hasn't taught Kamala how to pin. He's done a half job on Kamala. Yeah. He, for all we know, he. He could just fleece them out of money and just ran off with it. And like, like, oh, I've done all I can do. Slick is like the wild landlady of pro wrestling. <laughs> and, 
And Kamala is the crappily built version of the monorail. <laughs> nice. Let's get to the end of this match because we've given this. Yes, we've yes, actually please. gone on far longer than this match deserves. Holy hell, we have. It's an so awful Sean match. Gets, so as Kamala gets gets attracted by Big Diesel, who, who we haven't even mentioned yet, was staying at ringside in the rhinestone jacket. This is proper Vinny Vegas Diesel. It felt like. Yeah, he hadn't he hadn't quite figured out the whole leather thing yet. So he, uh, come on, gets distracted. Sean gets up, chin music to the back of the head, so it's like sweet neck roll music. And Kamal gets hit in the back of the head, but falls backwards. That was funny. He he got the sweet chin music right in the back of the head. Falls like he got hit in the front. And the Wrestling. It's like when Homer was crusty and he crashed a car into the tree. And it was like a two-second pregnant pause. And then he flies out of the windshield. <laughs> <laughs> that's, our, that's our official Wrestling Simpsons quota for the week. Every wrestling podcast <laughs> needs to mention Simpsons. Kamala gets pinned. Savage says, I am so disappointed because apparently he had high expectations. He really wanted Kamala to, to go on to face Ramon in that ladder match. <laughs> Don't we all? Don't we all? I feel like I do now. Well, that was that was the drizzlings. That really was an awful match. Um, not like Shawn Michaels, who is like now we look back like one of the greatest of all time. It's so funny mm-hmm. how in the space of a couple of weeks we've gone from a Shawn Michaels Marty Janetti white hot match of the year to this. How how we go from Marty versus Doink on last week's show, the best Raw match at this point in my opinion, to leading off with this. Good point. How can it be? That in a two-week period where Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty had singles matches, Marty Jannetty had the superior match. How is that the same tape? And we had two one-hour shows. One was phenomenal, and the other, well, as you're going to see, is the diametric opposite. This is this, this it is quite the scene. So there we go. So Kamala and Shawn Michaels. Fingers crossed, this never happens again. Yes. Let's look. We shall. That's probably going to be it for Kamala for these reviews, probably, I would have to imagine. Until he pops up in 11 years as part of the Divas search for that one segment. I seem to remember he popped up in 2001. He was part of the gimmick Battle Royal. And I seem to remember so, William Regal doing a, yes, a skit backstage with Kimchi and Kamala. And thank God it wasn't goddamn 11 minutes long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was really... It was about 35 seconds long, and it was... Kimchi telling William Regal that Kamala wants him to rub the moons on his belly. That's pretty funny. And then and get William, Regal, William Regal, William Regal, he, he, like shooing them out of the out of his office, just going bugger off, bugger off. William Regal will sell anything, and he is great at it. It was amazing. So we get the, so we get further hype for the Slam Challenge. We got the video. Hulk Hogan couldn't slam him. Just just remind everybody who. Uh, who is persona non grata at this point? Mm-hmm. And then Vince interviews Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji. And this interview is okay. I love Mr. Fuji. I look back on him with a lot of fondness. He was a lot funnier than he got credit for. There's a reason why they brought in Jim Cornette to be the spokesman for Yokozuna. Yeah, I think when when you've got a character like Yokozuna who doesn't talk, you need somebody mm-hmm. who has got the skills. On the mic to talk, and and Mr. Fuji, who is a legend, can't really talk. You know what would have been amazing in hindsight if they had just gotten the man who was not yet in charge of ECW to be the advocate for Yokozuna. 
Wow, Paul Heyman is Yokozuna's advocate. My client, Yokozuna, conquered Hulkamania at the King of the Ring. He, oh, that would have been amazing. Eat, sleep, eat again, repeat. <laughs> eat, 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 repeat. <laughs> that would have been the greatest shirt ever. I would have... You could buy it eat, for any eat, wrestling fan friend. Repeat. I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so... Basically, it's just Fuji taunting everyone, saying, you know, you can't slam Yokozuna, nobody will do it. And it's like, but what if somebody does? And Vince goes into this very, very animated tirade. Says, what if someone's going to step up to the plate? Someone's going to take a swing, and someone knocks a home run, Mr. Fuji. He was biased. He's a broadcaster. He's not meant to be biased. I'm trying to think Vince may be a little bit too xenophobic for his own good. Oh, we were waiting for him to go, what if somebody slams Yokozuna, you you dirty chap? <laughs> he was getting close to that. I mean, he was getting close to being very, very racist. <laughs> we hate you the way you manufacture all of our TVs and cars and electronics devices. Mind you, Yoko did get a good little dig on that exact subject so because mr fuji had a bit of a chat and he was like oh we're gonna embarrass you vince was like oh we're gonna you're get out of our country basically um <laughs> and then yoko got the final word and yoko well he kind of did yoko got the final word and he said i'm paraphrasing I, ha- I have a written here oh go for it here. american athletes are like american products they are no good bonsai <laughs> Bob. <laughs> well, he's kind of not wrong. And suddenly, all the people that work at Radio Shack just bow their heads in shame. <laughs> Fire Pro games are better than the LJN games you, your company produces, Vince. Bonsai! <laughs> and he would not have been wrong. <laughs> and and, and Vince, Vince actually leads the crowd in a USA chant. He re- yeah, he was unashamedly unbiased here. <laughs> and then we get to my favorite moment of the entire show, which I had to hit pause, laugh for five straight minutes, and then call my brother. We get we get some words from the participants, several participants in the body, forthcoming body slam challenge. Oh, this bit was. F- I, I wonder whether you laughed at the same bit I did. Tell me your bit. And now, I- as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I have a pathological hatred of the New York Giants. I don't hate them as much as I hate the Dallas Cowboys, but I hate the Giants. But I, 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 I will only cheer the Giants if they play the Cowboys, that's it. George Martin, who had a long career with the Giants, 14 seasons, was part of the Super Bowl 21 winning team in 1987. Great career, very charitable man. He did a long walk to raise money for, for 9-11. He was just a wonderful man overall. I have nothing bad to say about him other than the fact he was a giant. He pops up in this video wearing a pink polo shirt and Oktoberfest suspenders. <laughs> and he looks like someone who would not be wearing – well, I mean, no one should wear those two together ever, but he was like the last guy who would ever come up with that clothing combination, and I howled. I kind of ruled that out as it's the 90s. We, 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 no, <laughs> we apologize no, no. for what we do. It was a neon tracksuit. It would have been fine. 
<laughs> this is a pink polo shirt and suspenders. <laughs> George, what the hell were you thinking? Did he turn up like that? Or was it like, we've I, got I, this special outfit for you? <laughs> if, if they played some, like, polka music when he got into the ring, and he danced around while holding his suspenders, <laughs> and, and, and the little green hat, then I would have laughed. Maybe his plan was like stun Yokozuna and make him laugh out loud and then try to slam him so he can't resist. Who was the guy on after him? That would be Jim Campen, who I know very little about. I had to research him. What like made, that was the one that made me laugh was because he starts his bit and he's facing the wrong way. And, <laughs> but he's talking directly to the wall, but the mic's behind him. So this just... Maybe so because there's like an echo, so it's almost like he doesn't know he's facing the wrong way. <laughs> I thought I thought he was channeling his, his inner Ultimate Warrior and doing the uh, WrestleMania six promo for Hogan. I think that's and what he was trying you, to do. But it was just... go not travel to New York City. <laughs> Shove Stop that and... plane into a nosedive, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Step into the ring. Yoko Zuda, stand before me, Yoko Zuda. <laughs> Take the two pilots. Wait, that's the other thing. Um, <laughs> where was I? They've already yes, made the sacrifice. I will say that James Campen was nowhere near as animated or as interesting as Ultimate Warrior. Cause, cause, because even though Ultimate Warrior, you never knew what what in the hell he was saying. At least he was captivating. This was the opposite of that. The mirror opposite. Like, you knew exactly what he was saying, but he was completely uncaptivating. It was, it was, um... I know we didn't have promo classes at the Performance Center yet, but he would have probably flunked out of them. But then I we can't end... stop thinking about the Warriors promo now. <laughs> he, he, he does note at the very end, Campin, that he catches 1,600-pound Grizzlies with his traps. I like when, that line. That line made me laugh. Do bears even get the 1,600 pounds? They do in Red Dead Redemption if you're getting the legendary bear. Because, I mean, I, I've shot, like, big bison in, in Oregon Trail that have, never, that have never weighed more than, like, 800 pounds. So I'm thinking, how big, how big must these bears be? Maybe it's two bears stuck together. Duct tape together, maybe? Uh-huh. It could be Uber Bear. It could be oh my John Uber Bear. <laughs> John in or in Oregon Trail, being shot at by a former offensive lineman from the Green Bay Packers. And Justin's there as well with a gun. Why? Justin's there. You're shooting him as well. You're on the Oregon Trail <laughs> while, too. While Ultimate Warrior lands the plane out in the field with a dragon. <laughs> yes. With a dragon. With a dragon. John, Merry Christmas. Crack on. <laughs> Uber so, Bear. We birthed him today. So, but I genuinely so, like the idea. Like, I know that, like, by the end of this, it's it's rammed so far down our throats that you know we we we, we can feel it tickling the bottom of our lungs. <laughs> but I like the whole Stars and Stripes challenge because it's a nice way of. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Cross promoting wrestling with other sports and and giving it that kind of that legitimacy by bringing in not just not just other wrestlers but other American athletes. So like you've got these football stars that are now getting involved. I really like it. I like the idea. Well, of it. It's okay in theory, but I wish it would have it today. So we watch like Yokozuna and like beat the crap out of Pat McAfee. Oh God, you know you know Pat would have a go, wouldn't you? Today in this day and age, I would hope so. I hope Yokozuna like like bite his face or something. I'd like, I'd like a British wrestling company to do something like that and just bring out a load of soccer players to have a go. <laughs> and now Wayne Rooney will attempt to pick up Braun Strowman. <laughs> he's, hey, he's picked up ugly-looking women. <laughs> <laughs> I tell a lie, much. he hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> we get to our second match. It's the Smoking Guns. Versus Iron Mike Sharp and Barry Hart with a Dream Jobber tandem. Oh, isn't it just the lads on tour? Barry Horowitz and Iron Mike Sharp. This is a Jobber All-Star team here. Oh, do you know what? If I was building an enhancement All-Stars, these two are these two are front. Are the, right at the front. Brawler, Dwayne Gill. Good, strong midfield. The, yes, the creme de la crap, as they would say. Not that these guys are crappy, but... Actually, who would you put on, if we're breaking down enhancement talent across the years? So those guys that... How how many spots do I get? Uh, Okay, I'm going to give you... You can have two low tier, two mid tier, and two god tier. God tier is Horowitz and Brawler. Nice. Upper tier is probably going to be, or mid tier would be Iron Mike and Dwayne Gill. Nice. And we're talking low tier. Um, <laughs> wow, is that it's actually uh, I've already named the Fab Four here. <laughs> the Fab Four, <laughs> like the Beatles. <laughs> yes, it's it's just like the Beatles because they got beat all the time. Hey, oh, John. Uh, maybe. The... <laughs> hey, uh, actually, screw, screw the bomb here, John. If you can get Mike Sharp, Barry Horowitz, 
uh, Brooklyn Brawler and Wingo walking across that street on the album cover. <laughs> Down Abbey Road. Get on it. Yes. <laughs> the I would Beatles. very much appreciate that. That'd be your gift to me this Christmas. Hey, you've just got a Jim Duggan figure out of me. <laughs> well, I mean, not for me. I'm talking John's gift to me. Oh, yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. <laughs> we, we get a funny moment at the beginning as Harvest and Iron Mike run from the gunfire. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty I funny. I love him so much. Now, in, in kayfabe, are the guns checked before they go out there? I hope so. Because I, my, I mean, I don't know why. I don't know why Billy or Bart Gunn would decide. You know what? Tonight, tonight, we're going to legitimately shoot someone in the crowd. <laughs> well, I mean, it's if they're working like mid south back in like the seventies or early eighties, that would be different. But have more protection. Yeah, that's what, they, 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 that's they what they was encouraged. Like the guy tried to shoot the Freebirds next to a blind JYD. Don't worry, dog. I got him. That happened. Cornette told this story. I, I, I'll tell this real fast because this is much more interesting than than this show here. Yes. JYD had been blinded by the Freebirds, and 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 the crowd wanted to kill the Freebirds for it. This is mid South where JYD was JYD when he, where he was the man. So, as part of, as part of the angle, he was sitting at ringside one night while wearing you know, the dark sunglasses, holding his cane, and, and the Freebirds are the are the opposition for the, his his babyface friends. And and they're mocking dog being blind. You know, Michael Hayes is doing his whole pantomime shtick about like, oh, look at him, he can't see. A fan jumps the rail, crouches down next to JYD, and pulls a gun on the Freebirds while crouched next to him. Says, "Don't worry, dog, I got him." And 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 here's JYD's conundrum: Does he stop the guy, thus proving that he can see, or does he just let it go and hope for the best? Oh because my god, my days. Because if he proves he can see, this is, and this is Jim Cornette's phrasing, then Bill Watts would kill him later for ruining the angle. So what <laughs> but, happened? I, I believe a security guard apprehended the guy before he could, he could fire the gun. Oh, thank goodness. Or a cop. <laughs> I mean, what a spot to be in. Dogs by going, um... Uh, just like, what do I do? Jeez, that's that's crazy. What a time when, when people legit were that serious about wrestling. I kind of miss it, but I also kind of don't. There's still a few occasions where you'll have a conversation with somebody after a wrestling show, and 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 they'll and they will be like, "Oh, are they okay?" And I always feel like I need to play along. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember years ago, I was rig announcing for a show in in the West Midlands, and the baddie cheated to win the main event. And this guy came over and gave me such a telling off. You need to go back and tell him. Tell the referee what happened. And I was like, hey, the referee's decision's final. I can't change it. He said, no, you need to fix this now because this is a terrible way to end my Saturday night. He was really cross with me, like legitimately angry with me. It just means he cares. Yeah, exactly. But I thought I was going to get a punch in the face. Well, you should have hit him first. I <laughs> And this is why you're not allowed at wrestling shows anymore. <laughs> I hit him before he hit me. Well, thankfully the guns did not shoot either Iron Mike or Barry Horowitz. It would have been a quicker affair if they had. I'm sure Sharp would have grunted had he been shot. <laughs> Sharp, Sharp's thick tank-like unit body would have just absorbed the bullet. I realize the contrast we have between Sharp and Harwood, and, and, and they're because Harwood has like the loud yells, ah, 
ah, when he's in pain. Sharp just, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's it like a soprano and a baritone together. Sharp is a unit, though. Like, and he's, I like the fact that he's loud because it kind of works with, like, he's just this, I'm, I kind of think Sharp could have been more of a thing. Uh, he, he was a little bit older at this point. He, he, he actually had a title shot against Bob Backlund, like, in the late 70s or early 80s. He was kind of used as, not as like a main event guy, but as like, as like a reliable mid-card guy at one time. I feel like I want to watch more Iron Mike Sharp matches. You can't go wrong with Iron Mike Sharp. You really cannot. I have a question. Yes, sir. Barry Horowitz uh, has uh-huh. has hands on his trunks, like okay, like, like um, the the design on his trunks are shaped like hands, like all over his bottom. Why? Why? Why is that a thing? <laughs> okay, I I know why, but I'm trying to make a reference here. I think this may have been the era where Madonna had that shirt with with the hands over the chest. But I'm not I'm not saying it was reference to that, but I'm saying it was co- coincidence. But the, what? Okay, he, he was he was wrestling, he was wrestling in he was wrestling in Dallas at this point in GWF, you know, Global Wrestling Federation. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and he had this gimmick where he where he always pat himself on the back because he was always so proud of himself. So I'm guessing the hands like a pat on the butt for you know doing a great job because he's so high on himself. <laughs> Is that what they did in GWF? Was it pats on the bum? Well, in baseball, they do that all the time. <laughs> oh, butt pats. Was GWF and... the one with the rules? No, GWF was the one that tried to be world class. Right. Okay. I thought it, that. Was, I thought the GWF was the one with the round system and all that stuff. That was that would be AWF. AWF. My apologies. GWF was good for like six months and then it fell apart. You had the Patriot. You had Cactus Jack. You had Raven in a young days. Buff Bagwell when he was first starting the business. It was actually fun to watch for the most part until it became oh Dallas Light. But anyway. It's during this match that Vince turns Bobby Heenan's reference about a local weatherman into a plug for the Stars and Stripes challenge. <laughs> now, that point. was amazing. I actually applauded Vince for that. At, at this point, I was rooting for rain on Sunday morning. <laughs> like, I, I hope your little gala gets ruined. <laughs> and it's not until this point that Savage points out that the, the event's not going to be on TV, so you better be there. It's like, you spent all this... Why? It's like, it's like plugging a house show in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Like, they're going to throw an entire show that maybe 2,000 people are going to see. It's like, and you're just incessantly plugging that show. Like, we'll see what happens when Heath Slater wrestles at, at the Sheboygan show. It's like, shut up. I think they must have just been very concerned that nobody would turn up and it would look rubbish. I mean, <laughs> in hindsight, they didn't need to worry about it because from... I've not watched it since because I'm, I'm now at a point where I'm... I want to watch these fresh every week rather than looking too far ahead. From what I recall, it, it looked impressive. It was an okay event, but God, the hype train is just going like 8,000 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, they're really, really, they're really hammering it in every opportunity. <laughs> so Harvard and Sharp are getting all this offense in, and then Vince, <laughs> and maybe the other most hilarious member of the show. He's all in on, on the whole patriotic theme, and he plugs USA Network's airing of the Born on the Fourth of July movie starring Tom Cruise. Now you might wonder why this is why this is ironic. 
if you've never seen Born on the Fourth of July, Tom Cruise plays the, play, plays a man named Ron Kovic, who is a real individual who was paralyzed in the Vietnam War and became an anti-war activist. It's, what, it's maybe Tom Cruise's best movie ever, and it's it's about the opposite of. Well, I, I mean, Ron Kovic is patriotic in his own way, but. It, it's not the let's kill all the foreigners patriotism that Vince McMahon it's, it's is. It's anti-war putting... where this is very much we're going on to Pearl. the USS Intrepid with somebody yes. from Japan. <laughs> like Ron Kovic will be there saying, "What's wrong with Yokozuna? He's just trying to make a living." Jesus. The connotations <laughs> are very pro-war. <laughs> we're all we're all God's children here. Come on. That's <laughs> <laughs> like. And I even put my notes, it's an anti-war film, Vince. And Savage goes, I like that movie. I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it on a television. No. <laughs> it's just, it's like, what's the opposite of that? I like that movie. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> you don't have to say you've seen it if you like I like that movie. That movie. Like... I've smelt it. <laughs> Here, boy, smell, smell. I like that movie. Like I have Sabbath. heard it. <laughs> That's a good macho. That's a good macho. <laughs> so, so Harwood has the audacity to make this show interesting by hitting a beautiful Northern Lights suplex. Oh, how dare he! And getting two off of it. But I should point out, Harwood and Sharp got a lot of offense in this match. The they guns did all right, them out here. Better than I thought they would. I thought the guns would genuinely just batter them. But I'm glad because Mike Sharp is just his grizzled unit, and and I like Barry Horowitz, so I'm glad they got a little bit of something in. It did. It didn't last long after that. Horowitz fell victim to this rather interesting finish. It was it was, it was almost like the midnight hour in a way, where Bart Gunn got him up in. I mean, it was Bart got him up in the Canadian backbreaker, the over the shoulder backbreaker, and Billy comes off with this sort of splash thing to drive him down to the mat, and that was the move. That was the finish. I can't remember what that was called. I think they did use that a couple of times. Well, they kind of modified it, and it, and it became the sidewinder later on. That was the side suplex lift with the flying leg drop. So we get footage of the one two three kid Razor Ramon incident from last week. Still have no idea who drove that car away to get one two three kid to safety. And that segues, if you can believe it, to an interview with Money Incorporated. Who at this point had nothing to do with Razor or the One Two Three Kid, even yeah, though they were they all future kind of NWO members. Just for, just for a random chat. Yeah, Vince, Vince is talking about how, how, like, I don't see the belts on you guys, rubbing in the fact they lost him last week. It's like, is he trying to get punched? I think this week he just feels like he needs to be the most over babyface in the company. So he's just he is just going for it with everybody he can. <laughs> he's just being a dick to everyone. Yoko and Fuji, Money Incorporated. He just, he just. I think we are really seeing the birth of completely over-the-top commentator Vince, which we're going to see for the next couple of years now. Iris talks about how how they get a return ballot, which we're sadly going to miss because we don't have these summer same spectacular on the network. Oh, boo! Well, that match was phenomenal. It was Money Inc. versus the Steiners in the steel cage for the belts, and that that was a that was a hell of a deal that match. I dare say DiBiase and IRS is for each and, the, each and their best match in the company. Although DiBiase, nah, he had that match with Savage in 88 in the steel cage, which I, I probably like that better, but this is, it was like a legitimate four-star match, that match. Okay. 
So then we segue into DiBiase and Iris mocking Razor Ramon for losing, for squandering his money in the, in the $10,000 challenge. And IRS, in a funny little note, calls Razor Razor Jabron. And he goes, because he, 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 he's a funny man, he went, Razor Jabron. Oh, sorry, I meant Ramon. The Rock stole from IRS. <laughs> Yeah, they just start. They just start randomly. Just go. Just just giving him giving him grief. At WrestleMania 32, Bray Wyatt should have grabbed the Rock and said, "Why'd you steal Jabron from my father?" I don't like that. We should have done. Called him out. <laughs> I on mean, it. go on with the script. <laughs> so yes, DBS and IRS start mocking Razor for squandering his money for being stupid, for just. This is, the, this is the facilitation of Razor's babyface turn, forthcoming. And no, it wasn't even forthcoming. It happened because as soon as they started insulting Razor Ramon, the crowd started chanting Razor. Well, Razor was bound to turn face anyway. He was so beloved by the fans. He was but so I don't cool. think I'd heard like a Razor chant that loud. Yeah, it, it was pretty loud. Ted was pretty emphatic. It. Yeah, DiBiase just keeps going all in on mocking Razor and... Even volunteers to make Razor a domestic if he needs to make some some of that money back. Did did, did to so. you this promo feel just a little bit like it was just wandering along? It just felt like they were out there, and it just felt a little bit it felt a little bit disorganized, a little bit off the cuff, but not in a good way. It just felt a bit rambly. I was going to say it was in all parallels our show, but with. But we actually have fun here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they didn't look like they were having fun. Yes, I think DBS and Iris need to have a, have a raw podcast where they review old shows. A big I'm hello to all that. you tax cheats out there. Oh, good, this again, <laughs> Owen. All right. <laughs> Fake Jordy Ted DiBiase. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the bear in the big blue bar cage, IRS. The bear with the big blue briefcase. He Irwin would be because he Scheister. had a briefcase and some suspenders. And that's pretty much it. It was just them talking crap about Razor for a few minutes. And... I thought it was just them talking crap, to be honest. They just kind of just banged on. There were some points made, but they just didn't feel like they were really into it that night. I felt like they had an off night. Yeah, you have expected DiBiase to be like, don't worry, they'll fix it and post at least twice during the <laughs> His promo. Right, okay, redo. Three, two, one. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> it was uh, it was there. It, it was, was just it there. was there. It's it serviced the next thing going forward, so it's fine. It's it get you know it, it gave a little bit of context to what was to come, so that's all right. And it wasn't the worst thing on this show, so there's that. No, exactly. I mean, that's not saying much, but it truly wasn't the worst thing to come out of this show. <laughs> And this is the next thing was shorter. Adam Bomb versus PJ Walker. Oh, and, and Adam Bomb is out with quote Johnny Polo nevermore. Quote Johnny Polo nevermore. And I noticed we have both Raven and Justin Credible here. Isn't that amazing? Two future ECW champions, one of whom is the most vanilla of preliminary guys, just a guy with short hair and long tights, and a man dressed like a skipper with nerd glasses. And General MacArthur's pipe. They would become two grizzled veterans of ECW in in about five years. Two men who would both swing Singapore canes and fight while wearing jorts. 
If only they'd known then. Adam Bomb now has... Did Adam Bomb have the lenses before, the contact lenses? He may have. He may have. Oh, but did he have the spitting out of the blood? Uh, that part I'm not sure of. I, I know he was definitely doing it here. I felt like they refined his look a bit for this week. I felt like he was a bit more uh, chemically. I think that's what they were going for. A little more horrifying. A little bit more, a bit more horrible. And I enjoy how his music is basically tumbleweed. It is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's. They've, they've captured the sound of kind of the eerie calm after an explosion. It actually sounds like Bam Bam Bigelow's theme, kind of, but slower. A little bit. It's got that... Do, 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 do. Like, but it's sort of like a Twilight Zone whistle in the background. I liked it. It was creepy. Adam Bomb and PJ Walker. Adam Bomb, I think, in this year, in 1993, has the most unique offense of any wrestler in the company. Like, the moves that he is doing, like, you see guys doing now. But back then, it was like, whoa! You know, short-arm clotheslines outside the ring, that springboard missile that he does from the outside of the ring into the ring. Mm-hmm. You know, his finisher is a, is a, uh, is a, is a kneeling powerbomb. Yeah, the Adam Smasher. Yeah. I just felt like his offense was very unique for this time and a little bit ahead of its time. A little bit, especially a guy his size, like 6'6", six, six, almost 300 pounds. And he's hitting him on who Vince calls it BJ Walker. <laughs> Close enough, or, Vince. I wonder if Vince was thinking about something else when he decided to name him <laughs> that. <laughs> I, oh, I think I just realized while you're discussing the song there, not only were Justin Credible and Raven future ECW champions, but all three men involved in this match were all part of the Alliance in 2001. Oh my god! Brian Clark of Chronic, Raven, and Justin Credible. Jesus, you're right! Oh, jeez. No wonder they lost. <laughs> we are watching the Alliance fighting from within in 1993. And not only that, but Brian Clark's partner's in the next match. Oh, God. It's a, it's, this might have been where Chronic met. Chronic <laughs> might have met in Poughkeepsie, New York. Was it 4.20 in the afternoon when they first met? Hey. 4.19 got a minute. <laughs> it's it's after Adam Bomb hits the Adam Smasher and wins that Randy Savage says, "Let me tell you about the wrestlers of today compared to the wrestlers of yesterday. No comparison." But he didn't say which side he was taking there. That was very diplomatic of him. He could have very well said, "The guys that they suck because they don't sell properly. They all hit high spots. <laughs> the guys of mine they could tell a story with less moves." You don't need contact lenses to tell a tale in the ring. You just need stupid glasses and a big hat that you can't afford to keep up the repayment on. <laughs> and sometimes you gotta win that hat back when the guy dressed like the Lone Ranger steals it. This is very niche here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made my hat payment, so I'm good. I made my head payment, Vince. I'm good. I thought you knew Raw was good when Rob Bart was on commentary and Savage had to make hat payments. <laughs> and now I have two hats. One here That's in America good. and one in the Bahamas. <laughs> His offshore hat account. 
John! I had all my hats converted to gold. <laughs> my, my, my hats are now less valuable because of Brexit. Uh, I rent out my hat in the Bahamas when I'm not there in the winter. Oh, oh I think the C- I think the CEO of a car dealership is wearing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> if you have no idea what in the hell we're talking about, let's go back to the second and third oh. episode of this show when Reaper Man stole Randy Savage's hat and said it was because Savage hadn't been making his hat payments. And, that was a real storyline, by the way. We've not made that up. That was a legitimate storyline that Monday Night Raw ran. But it was worth it to see, to see Reaper show up in a tow truck while wearing Savage's hat. That made it all worthwhile. John? <laughs> all I'll say is... It's the macho holiday. Leave him alone. Macho man's offshore hat. That's 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 all you've got. I'll leave that with you. I'm gonna start a punk band called Offshore Hat. <laughs> Please do. So, so we come both mercifully and unmercifully to the final match. And ooh, I was suddenly missing Sean and Kamala at this point. Oh my days. All, although this had the courtesy to be at least ha- only half as long. Crush versus Bastion. Booger. Bastion Booger. Do you want a Bastion Booger fact? Go right ahead. So Bastion Booger, obviously we've we've kind of met him already as Friar Ferguson. Um <clears throat> from a few weeks back. This is the Friar Ferguson thing didn't fly with the church. They got into a bit of trouble with it, so he had to go away. And they had this idea to make a quite ugly man. And and, and I'm not an oil painting. So I'm not don't mean to say that, but it's true. Quite an ugly man. They went, let's make you even more ugly. And you know the you know they they reference the fact that he has a hump. Yes. Because when you look when when the camera pans to the back of Bastion Booger, you can see there is like a big a big old lump of fat just under his neck, like and it looks like a like he's a hunchback. Um, that's because they made his outfit t- too tight at the sides. To make it look like he had a hump. <laughs> because he wasn't horrible enough, apparently. They had to make it look like he had a hump. Yes, it, it, it added to the garishness of uh, <clears throat> the Booger character. And Bobby Heenan, every chance he got, had, had the reference to hump. And uh, I'm guessing Fergie stole it from Booger. Booger's lovely lady lumps. Hey. My humps. My... That was deft on my part. Friar Fergie, hey now. Holy hell, you're right. Yeah, you know I'm right. (laughs) Friar Fergie. (laughs) Lovely lady lumps, although that's And of course, Bastion would go on to to have a very successful career after this as a character from the video game Underworld. (laughs) I was going to say... He had a great career singing the national anthem at All Star Games. <laughs> he did that as Other. well. He was that, and he was in Overworld. <laughs> that, that, that kept him happy. Probably do a better job. Nobody could be uh, people. People, you can play as Bastion, but if, if for future reference, I'm already Tracer. Sorry, carry on. And so Booger's gimmick is that he's ugly and he smells. Although <laughs> so no- sad. It's funny because Vince Savage and he are getting over this idea inside that Booger smells so awful they could smell him from there. 
Meanwhile, as he's standing in the ring, Themis walks by him, holding up the sign, looking as beautiful as usual, and she has the biggest smile on her face. So either either she wasn't clued in the fact that she's supposed to be repulsed by him, or she doesn't mind the odor. More she's got no sense of smell. That's possible also. The same thing happened to uh, Marge's sister. Exactly. Or she's just an uber-professional. I'm going to go with that one, actually. She's just a super-professional... It was just like I'm not going to react to it. It would have been funnier if they clue if they if you're going to do it if you're going to do the whole this guy smells. Mm. You've got to go all the way with it. You've got to include everybody around ringside to, in on the fix. Yeah, you either have like the referee also like like holding his hands up to his face like oh what the. Or you spray him with something like that stuff that Mike Wazowski has in his uh, in his in his locker in Monsters Inc. You want to spray him with one of those before he goes out. <laughs> Or just have, or like even Crush wasn't even selling the idea that he's supposed to be disgusting. The Crush is apparently immune to it. It's during this match we find out that Hillary, that Basham Booger is the brother of Hillary Clinton, according to Bobby Heenan. That was a nice bit of factoid there. Basham Booger and Hillary Clinton are related. Of course they are, Bob. The funny part is, is uh, the fact that Vince is friends with Donald Trump and he's disgusted by what Heenan says and apologizes to the then First Lady of the United States on the air. For Bobby Heenan's remarks. Is it funny how the world turns that way? Yes, it certainly is. <laughs> and early on in this match, Crush can't get Booker up for a fireman carry, which is important to the story here. And they are very much pushing, as they have all night, the body slam challenge. And it was they're no going and they're really giving like the props to Crush for the body slam challenge. Mogus Crush is probably one of your more viable contestants in this thing, given he's insanely strong. And and Booger is about a 400-pound man. And and following the fireman carry fail, Crush gets the world's worst back body drop on Bash and Booger. Oh, I don't that think they was were expecting... appalling. <laughs> it was like back body dropping an egg. <laughs> it was... Um, I remember in fourth grade in gym class, we had to do hurdles. And this one girl who was um, not very athletic and she was kind of shy would run to the side of them and like put like one leg over. She was jumping over, like coming nowhere close to an actual hurdle. That's kind of like what this was. Booger <laughs> went to the side and took what some might term to be a flip. It was awful. It was truly <laughs> awful. You could have dubbed in some Chris Farley screams and, and, and pass this off as like a pratfall from like Tommy Boy or something. It was it was the backdrop, and then a few moves later, Crush tried to get him up for a suplex, and Booger ain't going anywhere. Booger, Booger is Booger is pushing against gravity in every possible move here. <laughs> yes, Booger's. Uh... He really is. That suplex was dreadful. Like Crush, he kind of again, like he got him a bit of the way up, and then Booger kind of fell to the side, barely got off the ground. <laughs> But maybe, maybe they're cleverer than we are, Justin, because the fact that Crush couldn't lift him, then he got a really naff back body drop in, then a really naff suplex that led to the finish. That's true also, although in my, in my notes, I did, I did write alleged suplex follows at one point. Alleged suplex. But, but before that, we have two awesome commentary moments from Vince, actually three of them, three. One of them is telling Bobby Heenan, what is it with you and the hump? Which, out of context, sounds even more funny. 
One is it, another is his further plug of, of the by his name challenge when he goes, not a whole lot going on in the world of sports on Sunday. <laughs> oh, he, uh, yeah, and then this is where he goes. In fact, I would imagine that uh, this is going to be a, a bigger, bigger event than Wimbledon. Right. Because the Wimbledon final was on the same day, right? And sure. 1993, Pete Sampras won Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. Pete Sampras, for winning Wimbledon, won £305,000. What does mm-hmm. the sucker get who slams Yokozuna? Gets a car. He gets a Chevrolet, I thought. A Chevrolet. How a much nice is a car. Chevrolet worth? Not £305,000. There you go. I think Wimbledon won. Probably. I can imagine Johnny Carson trading in his Wimbledon seats to fly back to New York to see the Body Slam Challenge. Well, I wanted to watch uh, Pete Sampras win Wimbledon, but uh, uh, I've heard that uh, <laughs> I've heard that the mailman, Carl Malone, is going to attempt to body slam Yokozuna. It's, it's, it's an either-or situation, really. <clears throat> and then we get... <laughs> this is how you know that those two had had a long day. And this is the end of that long day when Vince goes, will Bill Fralick be able to say New Yorkers on Sunday? And Savage goes, good point. <laughs> Savage is tired now. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> At that point, they could have had a Randy Savage pull string doll. Pulled the string, had a random quote come out, and it would have been more contextually sensible than what Savage saying good point right there to this is a question. Yeah, Savage is tired at this point. <laughs> it's been a long taping. It's been it's at like, least two hours. Does anyone know who left all these empty beer cans on the floor? Good point! <laughs> Why do I have so much dandruff? Good point! Why do fools fall in love? Good point! <laughs> Feel free to tweet us questions that Randy Savage could answer good point to. <laughs> Just ask any question. We have a good point to it. Good point. In the next few the, days, don't... if you tweet me and Justin a question, we will answer it with good point. <laughs> Justin, are you double parked? Good point. I mean, oh crap. <laughs> um, so the ending plays in the Sunday because Crush body slams Bastion Booger not once, not twice, but thrice. All all quality body slams too. None of the wonky booger bumping here. No, no, booger properly took these. Well done, lad. <clears throat> and Crush won with the three slams. That was it. Weird for it, three body slams. It was better than everything else that preceded it, though. Yeah, and, and maybe in their own weird, awful way, they were telling a story. <laughs> well, I mean, it made sense, because like, could Crush do that to a man who's 150 pounds heavier and on the U.S. as infected this coming Sunday? Well, that's it. That's the story there, isn't it? That's why they put him up against Bastion Booger. He's like, hey, look, Crush can slam a fat bloke. Can he slam a fatter bloke? We'll find out on the 4th of July. And then we get this video of Randy Savage at the 50-yard line of the Meadowlands up in East Rutherford, New Jersey, home of the New York football giants. And he's joined by former running back Joe Morris, (laughs) who was was a teammate of the pink shirt-wearing George Martin in those days. And Joe Morris is wearing sunglasses, and he threatens to slam Yoko Zuno. <laughs> that killed me. That floored me. Look, he's like this guy puts his sunglasses on. I go, I don't want to look as cool as you, Macho. Puts his sunglasses on, looks straight into the camera, goes, Yoko Zuno. 
It's like, <laughs> come on, mate. If you're going to be a part of the show, get the name right. <laughs> one Take Joe, they call him. Does, is there ever been any wrestler whose name has confuzzled so many? Like Yoko Zuda. I was going to say, any, any dumbass fan who brings a Bret Hart sign with two T's. Yep, I hate that. Or Ric Flair with a K. <laughs> or Shawn Michaels, S-E-A-N. Oh, have you seen that? Oh. Uh. <laughs> Although Brett for me is always the worst one. Yeah, Brett with two T's is, is annoying. So then we come to the end of the show and we realize that we have a little too, a little too much time on our hands. And, it, and the announcers got to kill a little bit by discussing their favorite moments from the show. That was... It's like you've been plugging the Body Slam Challenge all night long. You're telling me that you had to pad with, what bit did you like? Oh, I like the bit when, when Cross Slam Bastion Booger... I like the part where you plug the Intrepid Challenge. That was that was unique. You should have done that more. So on next week's show, we have the one, two, three kid in action, Bam Bam Bigelow, Mister Perfect, plus footage of the of something that's going on Sunday morning. I'm not quite sure what it is. They've been very very vague about something. There's something happening on a boat. Yeah, they should add a little bit more uh, meat to that. I think. And then Vince promises that some red-blooded American, and he has to emphasize that, will slam Yokozuna. They should have had a vegan do it. Like a wimpy American. Well, not, not the vegan's wimpy, but in Vince's mind. Like someone that's the antithesis of the American dream. Like that some guy who eats granola. Daniel Bryan. Surely. <laughs> it's Daniel <laughs> Bryan. Time-traveling Daniel Bryan goes back to 1993. Slams Joker Everybody goes yes, and Vince has a stroke. And it ends really weirdly, because... Like you can tell they're padding. So then Vince gives this a big plug, and then Bobby Heenan says, oh, I also hear that if Yokozuna, Yokozuna is going to rename the USS Intrepid the USS Yokozuna, and Vince just goes, good night, everybody. And then <laughs> Bobby starts singing to himself. I don't know. I, I can't make out what he's singing. If you've watched it, at JRH Writing on Twitter, at Tom Campbell on Twitter, please tell me what Bobby Heenan just starts singing to himself on commentary as the show fades to black. Yeah, it was it, it, it was just like like and we're and we're out kind of uh, that sort of energy. Just like 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 well, nothing ain't nothing more of relevance to be said. Might as well just goof off now. Like oh, we're still on. Oh crap! Very it was, strange. Uh, it was something. This whole show was just. I don't I don't know if it was, it was as bad as that March snow show, but it was damn close. It was a bad show. It was. They're still. I mean, we have to remember that this is a company that is in that is really in a, a state of transition, and they are attempting something that they don't do very often, which is a weekly episodic TV show. And mm-hmm. what we watch is thousands and thousands of episodes in in 2018, but like we're only 24 episodes in, so they're still sort of figuring out how this whole thing works and what works and what doesn't, and. The show, like, the fact that they... I would like to think that they would have looked at the last two weeks of shows and realised we need to probably pace this a bit better because we had last week's show that was just a barnstormer of must-see matches with build, and then we had this, which was just the the drizzles. Yeah, it it was the not-as-fun, much more poorly-paced show or much more slowly-paced show. 
and it was just a slog to get through. I had to stop several times because I was so bored by it. That, well, that, and the part where George Martin wore pink, and I had to laugh. Well, I was, I was packing, um, I was packing a bag while watching this. I showed you how much interest I had, because I was, because <laughs> it was, because, because I'm, I'm, as night of record tomorrow morning, I'm going back home to see my mum and dad for Christmas. So, like, mm. I thought I've got to get my, my packing done. So I had this on while it was on, and I thought, so I thought if I sit down and watch it, I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> I stopped at one point to set a DraftKings lineup for a football game. <laughs> See, we were we were both in our own way bored by Raw, but yes, it, mercifully it was, it was less than an hour. It felt like more than an hour. It did, but mercifully, thankfully, it wasn't. But all roads lead to the USS Intrepid and the Body Slam Stars and Stripes Challenge, featuring the biggest stars of American wrestling and American sports. And next week, we are going to find out. If anyone was able to slam Yokozuna, Yokozuno, on the USS Intrepid. Spoiler alert, they brought in a ringer from Sri Lanka. <laughs> Am I right in thinking that, that, talking of a ringer, we are in fact getting a ringer on the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review next week? Our good friend Sydney, who doesn't really have the biggest affinity for wrestling from, our, from this time frame, once watching the once watched the 1990 Survivor Series and was baffled by it. <laughs> really? Uh, like, be- yeah. Because they're baffled by the characters and the people. <laughs> not only that, but also watched the AWA Team Challenge Series as well, which might not have been the, the best starting point for her, and, and, was, and was just boggled by the whole thing. I know she kept calling Colonel De Beers Colonel Mustard, which I can't, I can't disagree with that. <laughs> well, I'm excited because um, Sydney is one of the, 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 the lesser-known heroes of Cultaholic because Sydney runs the Cultaholic Discord. And I'm excited because I get to finally ask somebody, what on earth is a Discord? Because I'm now at a point where I'm old and I don't know. Dude, I'm on Discord. Just ask me. What is it? I don't know. Ask Sydney. <laughs> and, if, and I think what I'll do is, because Sydney is, 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 is young, a young person... I'll have an entire list of questions based for young people that I should probably ask, just so I'm down with the kids in that. What is cool these days? How do I floss? <laughs> I I can teach you that. I know how to do that. Yeah, you get a little bit of little bit of white rope and you put it between your teeth. No, not even that. I mean, the actual dance. I can actually kind of do it. My my good lady can do it, and and it, she's brilliant at it. But I, every time I try and do it, I look like I'm trying to dry hump the air. Well, that's kind of the point. <laughs> that does it doesn't. When you're in a library, you get into trouble. <laughs> I can imagine. So we're very honoured to be joined by uh, by a, a new. It's always nice to welcome a new challenger to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review, and we're looking forward to having Sydney on the show next week as we discuss if anyone slammed Yokozuna. Boy, thank God we didn't have her for this show. <laughs> At JRH Writing, that is Justin Henry on Twitter. Do tweet him and let him know what you got for Christmas. And he'd love to hear from you. I'm at Tom Campbell. Please tweet me and tell me what you had for Christmas dinner. I dare to compare. We are at Cultaholic. They are our boys. We will see you very soon. Merry Christmas. We're in that weird bit now where we don't know what's happening. Happy New Year soon. Love you. Bye. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.